to our listeners of uh, Mind Warp. Before I introduce our next guest to you, I want to thank you for coming back. Uh, one listener in, in uh, particular, I want to thank Eva De Reiter from GE Transportation of Waptec, specifically for feedback and usefulness and suggestions for improvement. Thank you, Eva. Today, we want to talk to CFOs and to mining financial decision makers. We would like to show them our opinion of how the world will look like in future. Please don't get a fright if you hear our next speaker about what he says that what can be done. This is a journey that can be executed in steps. Who better to talk to CFOs than to ask an ex-CFO? So this podcast topic is about might not be enabled business planning and financial control. And now I'd like to introduce you to Johan Rickert. Johan, welcome to the podcast. This is your first time. Yeah, well, uh, I've done many things, but I've never been so nervous in my life. <laughs> Jan, tell us uh, shortly about your career. Uh, we brought you in because clearly CFOs talk a different language. That's what might not be learned. Tell us about your career. Well, I qualified as a chartered accountant. I joined immediately after qualifications. I uh, joined the old Gencor group, currently obviously part of BHP Bulletin. In my first postings, my instructions was very clear. Go improve the feasibility study so we can see what we can do about funding and structuring. Go and make sure that our capital expenditure budget and our expenditure is under financial control and get some financial control over the operations. So that's what I did. And then I found myself all of a sudden, two decades later, having done this over and over. I've done five mining projects. I was party to the 44 million tons per annum expansion of Riches Bay Colton. Wow. I then was part of the coal export project, something that the mining industry has never done. So it was a new journey. And I then ended up in doing the international manganese logistics project, where we eventually ended up serving the customer from a warehouse in Germany or in Pittsburgh or Ohio, etc., which included a massive logistical process. So you started off as a miner and the full, <laughs> the full value chain right up to sales. But then you came back to mining. Yes, I came back to mining about nine years ago while I was lured by a consulting assignment for BHP back to the old manganese area. I then became the financial advisor and later the CFO of this is like Platinum. And then I met MineRP that helped me to bring much more of the industrial experience into mining. So you've got extensive experience in financial forecasting and in budgeting. Well, yes, uh, as I said, nine significant projects so, uh, from the feasibility stage, funding it, construction, commissioning, and then stabilizing the operation. And that's outside of mining as well. And that's inside mining and outside of mining. So uh, we've been going with a slogan with some of our ecosystem partners to say uh, mining should be run like a factory. Normally, we get lots of responses. Most of them are not very flattering. Uh, and quite frankly, we, we agree with that. Mining is not a factory. There's a lot of dissimilarities. However, there's stuff that we can learn. And this is part of what you've brought to mine RP to say, guys, here are the things we can learn. What are those things? What struck me is that in the industrial environment, when you talk to people, they're talking about their business. When we in the mining environment, people talk about a mine. So that's a mindset difference. And then I started thinking, why is that? Because in the industrial environment, I found that the financial feasibilities that I could do 
were much more detailed and granular, oh, okay. I could actually do a sensitivity on virtually every KPI okay. in that environment because I had work working in that granularity. I had an integrated system. Okay. The operating, the business, the manufacturing, distribution and the logistics and the sales plan and the financial forecast was just one thing. It was not compartments. And it always dovetailed. And the costing was always based on a standard. Okay. Because we designed the process. Okay. We had an operating procedure, how the job must be done. Okay. And a bill of resources of what you require to do the job. Okay. That's why in the industry, the financial guys does the budget. Okay. You don't need to go and ask the ah, operator, okay, okay. what do you think it's going to cost yes. you this year? Yes. Once you know exactly all the activities and you've got a bill of material for each, then you can do the budget. Talk to me about reaction times. There must be a difference from your experience. Yes, I found that in the industrial environment, especially in the medium-sized uh, industry, the frequency of changes are very, very high. Sometimes twice a week, we change the business plan. You get one big specific order and you have to change your business plan to it in that size of industry. And in many of these situations where this is so totally integrated, every morning we could say where we are and we could rerun the plan. So it is really a living, breathing thing to which you actually refer to every day. Why is this not applied in mining? Say that out loud. It's not that the mining doesn't know. It's not that we are uh, 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 not knowledgeable people. But mining were hamstrung for a long time by certain constraints. Of which one, the lead time of doing a new plan okay. is one. And then also remember that a mining plan that has not been financially adjudicated yes. Uh, cannot be regarded as completed job because the mine plan is supposed to support the shareholder value or the financial results that comes from it. So if I do not uh, adjudicate that mine plan on that basis, I haven't completed the job. But similarly, we, we've got a gap between the budget and the operating plans and the financial that plans that goes with that. That is the second issue. Because it takes such a long time that to do the budget or the long-term plan, which may be nine months later when I actually start mining according to that plan yes, in yes. the new budget year, the two things actually just doesn't gel anymore. It, oh. You Maybe even your mix of what you're mining, where you're mining, okay. your grades and everything might be different. So it's in any event very difficult to compare the two. Okay. And also the time that it will take to take a manual mining plan I see. into granularity is not going to work. I see. So you've been here for two odd years. You've spent uh, a lot of time uh, educating people around what CFOs want and what they don't want. So um, you've also collaborated in building the 16 uh, capabilities that might not be enables. And to the listeners, uh, the previous two or three podcasts, we've referred to that. It might not be enables three integrated processes together with our ecosystem. And then it further enables, in a more detailed fashion, 16 capabilities. You have looked after the planning and the financial control capability. How does Minopi enable these two capabilities that you define for us? In summary, because we've got those 16 capabilities, 
<laughs> That's where the empowerment comes from. But we will concentrate now on how it empowers these two specific yes. capabilities. Yes. So, firstly, mine RP eliminates the lead time. Okay. So this big constraint, where the mine, the plane has become irrelevant due to a lapse of time, virtually, yeah. is now removed. We can now be dynamic on a database basis, know what we're doing. So that's the first thing. Then combined with work manager for the short term, MineRP can do a weekly rolling plan, which goes into work manager, and we can now control that we're actually mining what we plan to do, and we can also do the cost control. That has been achieved by uh, integration with our ERPs, which we'll, I'll get to just now. But MineRP doesn't only do it quickly, we have proven that it is a very effective and efficient plans that is produced by MineRP. I see. And also it can do it in the granularity, so that we can have every activity and that we can show that we have used or took into account every KPI in designing those plans. I see. We also, MineRP also construct what we call a financial integration code. Okay. That's just our own name for it. But it is a code that MineRP can concatenate from its knowledge of space and time into a cost code, a bill of material, a, a number that is applicable, which is driven by the specific dimensions and conditions of that particular job. Okay. okay. In all doing that, it enables all of this granularity and we we'll, can also discuss about how it automates all of this processes. Okay. Secondly, the modern financial forecasting applications, generic name for basically those in my mind. There's quite a few of them uh, mm. that we've started seeing hitting the market the last two years and mining clients very excitedly referring to these. And quite frankly, other industries uh, are there already. So there's quite a lot of references there. Yes, I think the interesting thing is that those applications are used in, in mining and in industry. It's not unique. Give me some few, examples of the ones well, that we're working they're with. They're sitting in the right quadrant on Gardner. Okay. But uh, out of the SAP stable, you will get BPC and IDP. IDP oh. Then you can get Adaptive Insights Sites. as well as Anaplan. Anaplan, yeah. And then there's one stream busy coming up. One stream, yes, yeah. Okay. yeah. So there are quite a few to choose from. And I think you will find that different clients will choose different ones okay. because of their needs. And MineRP enables all those. Um, so so what, what do we do for those uh, types of applications? So those types of applications, this financial integration code is the basis on which we communicate and integrate with these financials. Okay. That tells them all the details of the cost codes and bill of resources, etc., to be used in doing the calculations. Yeah, yeah. It gives it the schedule in that format. It gives it the granularity, and it then allows the financial forecasting application to do the calculations financially and put it into a forecast and put the results out as future financials. Full balance sheets, income statements, cash flow, financial analysis, ratio analysis, everything comes with it. Why does those applications need MineRP? To automate the process. You can feed all of that information manually, but it's a success of time. Now we can do it instantly. Okay. Um, in the preparation, you said to me that zero-based budgeting is a reality. Well, firstly, is it? And secondly, is zero-based budgeting a good thing? 
Zero-based budgeting, in my personal opinion, is a good thing, but like anything in real life... If you overdo it... <laughs> <laughs> there's not only good. You've yeah. got to take the good with the bad. So what it is, I think zero-based budgeting is absolutely the way to go, but be very careful not to fall in the traps of getting too short-term orientated because of that and spending excessive time on doing them annually. And the nice thing about it is the system, as we now designed it, actually prevents you from doing it. Okay, and then uh, thirdly, MinRP enables the, the whole journey into the ERP. Tell me more about that. Yeah, because MinRP now can tell the work manager what to do this week. Mm -hmm. It can integrate to the ERP and create a production job order, job card, costing order, whatever your ERP is relevant So that's to. the language of talking to the that's transactional system. Exactly. Okay. And they can then create this absolute mirror image of what I do in, on the ground with what is happening in my financials and my costings. Might not be brought this term to the market, we call it the digital triplet. We're saying the, 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 the third twin mm. of the digital twin is the financial part and twins, twins or triplets can't be born if they're not born in the same five minutes. <laughs> is that the way that you do that? That is really the, the long-term plan, the budget, the weekly plan is born out of the same assumptions and planning that sits intrinsically in MinRP, and we can now immediately give birth to that triplet that lives in the financial environment, so that these things are mirror images of each other. It seems that um, the way that you have interacted with the MinRP crowd was to um, look at it from long-term planning right down to short-term events based on conditions in the mine. Tell me about that cycle and what value add there is for uh, uh, long-term, medium-term planning and control, financial control, the fact that you have the events on the same canvas. Okay. I think it's generally accepted that the, the job of the board and the executive is to look into the future. Simply put, uh, the, the objective is sustainable shareholder value. Okay. That, that's why businesses exist. Yeah. Okay. So we need to drive that. So we need very competent tools to do those projections with, and it should be on realistic and uh, with a big granularity on exactly how are we going to do it in okay. the future, so that we can look at sensitivities and stuff like that. So once you've got that in in this process that might not be great, you distill it and you're just taking the shorter uh, periods okay. involved, right down to the daily period, so that we can even do the costing of what I expect the production of this week to cost me, and by the end of the week, on an activity-by-activity basis, I can actually reconcile this. Okay. So I'm hearing you saying that there must then be a connecting line between, or let's say an audit trail, probably yeah. the financial guys yeah. would rather want that, <laughs> audit trail, yeah. between the budget and the forecast and the short-term plan and the actuals, because I think that's where most time is spent by our financial departments in mining. Well, we can now do a one-to-one -one comparison, the direct audit trail between an activity that was budgeted for, what was the bill of resources in the budget, what was the prices related to that in the budget. I can then look at what was the revised forecast that I've done yep. on exactly the same basis, running from the same bill of material, yep. but maybe varying in prices. And then what is it when it goes into the ERP, when it says, go and do this job, here's your standard to do it, and then I measure the actuals against that. And they are exactly the same thing, I and I have that order trail from the one to the other. And I can now also do mixed variances. In other words, if I've done more development, say, than uh, basic mining, 
then I can reconcile that. I see. So on behalf of the clients now, which probably now doubts the story a lot, <laughs> let me ask these questions. What can go wrong and why, why could there be issues that should be overcome? Tell me about granularity because um, if I want to control, as you stated, mm. to a finite level of control, I probably need to appoint another 30 controllers. Um, so, so tell me about granularity. Well, there's two things about granularity. And that is, if you need to appoint 30 extra controllers, please don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> the second thing, if you want to do it without appointing that controllers, you better automate the system. Yes. So if those two preconditions aren't there, then you end up with minor P designing what you're going to do into that granularity of a specific activity with a work package in order to do that. So you budget on that, you through my uh, work manager, you instruct somebody to go and do that specific yeah, activity, yeah. give him the standard against which you need to do it, both financially and operationally, but all the you other, can measure it. All the other costs must then also be allocated to the right place. Uh, it doesn't help that we yeah. do this uh, control and Absolutely. the logistics is not be able to be, to be allocated to that same place. The good part or the good news of this uh, is that things like machine hours and the teams available that you can record through your time and attendance mm. system, etc., can be allocated by a okay. works manager because he gets all that information, so, but your issue of consumables yeah. needs to be needs designed to specifically. Yeah. So one of our financial managers um, in a global gold mine tells me that for them it feels like spreading peanut butter at the end of the month over the bread. So all the costs that nobody knows how to allocate, you just spread the peanut butter evenly across the bread. And, and if, mm. if a miner uh, makes you cross, that's not what they said, that's what I think. Mm. If they make you cross a specific section, then you just add some more peanut butter in that area. <laughs> Have you seen some of that? I can fully understand <laughs> the uh, expression. Because to be quite honest, I've sat in various in, uh, reporting uh, meetings where we're looking at different reasons for a variance. And yeah. eventually the, the, the boss man would say, yeah, I can live with that. Yeah. Uh, it's an acknowledgement we actually don't know. Yes. So, so also tell me about uh, the el elimination of time. So one CFO told me, mm. um, and this was some years ago, four years ago when he started on this journey, he said to me, why do you want me to have in-time financial control? He says, I'm measuring once a month. My, um, I don't, I have zero visibility inside the month. How should CFOs think about that? Um, well, for us, those of us who's a little bit been into <laughs> projects, everybody will say to you, if you make a mistake, the cheapest mistake you can make is the one that you can pick up as early as yes, possible. and fix tomorrow. And you can fix it immediately before it grows yes. and it escalates. Yes. So if you can... Uh, on a daily basis, say, this is what I had to do, this is what I've done. You can identify operationally, quantitatively, and financially okay. what the implications was. You can go and fix it, provided your information is granular enough so that you know where the problem is. You're absolutely Not right. Not just like level 74 has used more roof support. So let me be critical, further critical mm. on this process on behalf of our, of our listeners. What are the preconditions to have all this sci-fi stuff that you're talking about? The simple part of this is that you have to implement MinRP, a proper financial forecasting application suitable for your conditions, yeah. and then integrate with the job card production costing type order functionality of the in, in your ERP. Yep. All of those things are pretty standard and can be implemented on your behalf okay. and with your assistance and your involvement, obviously. Okay. But uh, 
the first thing is we'll have to modernize our logistical process between the mine store so that what we issue can be specifically yes. issued against a specific job in a specific workplace to which I can cost that. One of our other partners, uh, Max Maiman, always says, what's the one thing that you won't find in a mining store? And then everybody guesses and guesses, and he says, it's a barcode machine. He says, <laughs> yeah. because he says that's the biggest problem that we have in mining that, that we have not uh, mm. put on catalog for control right at the front end of it. So that's yeah. part of it, right? Well, it's an automation process and it's a logistical process. Yeah. And yeah. we've got to not underestimate the logistics, especially where you've got the shaft systems and so forth because it's capacity problems. So, so you need to design this very well. But there are modern solutions for this and it can be done. Okay, what else? What are other we, we preconditions? Want, we need to change, and I, want to, I call it upgrade, our accounting process so that uh -huh. we actually can do a month end every week. Ha! Okay. Now, there's a few changes to do that. And our partner SAP with s is also saying that. They're saying that's, that's the exactly. future. They're that talking about hourly uh, uh, month end. Well, most businesses do that way. You know, I'm fortunate to have the FD of uh, in somewhere in MassMart in the world as a daughter. That is happening Having almost on an hourly basis exactly. in certain are segments. Okay. Yeah. I am not advocating that yes. everything yes. must be closed off the weekly like yes. we do on a month. Yes. 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 But the critical things to control and give financial yes. control, yes. we can do the that. The levers that you can pull. That's right. Yeah. Um, Don't worry about the rest of the peanut butter stuff, right? That's <laughs> right. We get to get the stuff that is yeah. that matters and that is totally possible. Yeah. And it means automated accounting. Yep. You know, go and talk to Vodacom or MTN. Yeah. All their accounting is 90% yeah. of what counts. Is what, else? what other preconditions so are there? What we need to do is we must make sure that the measurements of input, output, throughput, quality, quantity, flow meters, etc., whichever is relevant to do proper volume analysis and the mix analysis and financial analysis, okay. right, we must have that available. Not only for accounting, also for proper shorter interval control. Yeah. That is the demand will be on from uh, mine uh, uh, works manager. And then we must make sure that these things for all our KPIs are measured so that we can report on KPIs virtually. I see. As frequently as required. So for CFOs, it says, I want to do this. There's probably some pre-work to be done here. What, what type of things are, would you list as pre-work? Pre-work, we need to make sure that we've got all the KPI measurements of that organization built into our budget. Yeah. We need to break down our total budgeting process, actually our total business, yes. into activities. And you know what? Even overhead departments can be divided into activities. Okay. Okay. And we're going to have to establish a bill of resources for every activity. Okay. On that, we're not going to get right the first time. Yeah. I promise you, it is a process and over six to nine months, we will improve that as we use it. And then the maturity probably has to be pushed up there is the people, the culture, the skills, absolutely. the process. Your capability maturity profile needs to be defined. We need to actually define, determine clearly the delta for people and processes between the current state and the eventual state. Then we have to go and design training, education, and adoption yeah, plan yeah. that specifically, say for the financial department, yeah, yeah. addresses those requirements. Yeah. And also, we have to develop a value delivery measurement. Okay. So that we can... Because CFOs are all about value, right? That's right. We must say, are we getting the value? Are we 
is our, are, is our um, training effective? Yeah, and then and then we've we, got to measure this all the way. So so we're going to disrupt the organization. The CFO will disrupt the organization, but the plan must be to get return on disruption every three months, right? That must there must be a return for every effort that we put yeah. in. The problem sometimes is, unfortunately, that some of these measurements are not always in rands and cents. Okay. But efficiency and effectiveness counts for a lot as well. Let's steer towards the end. Mm. Tell us about the benefits again, off the top of your head, because you've been a CFO, you know how important that is. If they don't get the benefits, nothing's going to happen here. But off the well, top of your head. In Manapi, we did simulations publicly, so, you know, it was under control, not just our fragment of our imagination, that showed that the business plan that we can prepare within four minutes gave at least 12% better NPV value, shareholder values, than the way minds tend to do it when they have to do it quickly and not have nine months to do it. Now, that for me wasn't a surprise because I saw that. I, uh, I could see how that happened if you have that capability. We okay. probably have to talk about this one again. I think this is the one where the CFOs are, the CFOs are going, come on. Okay, not so let's, only let's that. talk about that in our next podcast. Next one. Fine. We can now really do financial engineering. Yes, financial engineering and funding, structuring, taxation, all of that stuff. And we can project it on the long term and see what it effect it has for us. But also operationally, it now becomes practically possible to change financially how we run the business okay. and then go back and say, can we technically do it? And although the answer may be no, seven out of 10 times, the three times when it's yes, mm. it does mm. deliver very Lovely good results. Okay. Then the improved confidence that you gain from the investors and funders, Yes. When you can show them, this is how I budget, this is how I plan, this is my feasibility. I pull that through to my budget, to my work plan. And you do financially what you say you're going to do. I can give them sensitivities on all my KPIs. Okay. I can see the risk, the KPI in the risk register, the mitigating uh, processes that we put into I see. to I see. manage that. The confidence is absolutely phenomenal that you can install okay. the people then they can see that you can do that. Right, and then when you link up what's actually happening in the mind straight into the financials with, with as we call it, the digital triplet, there must be some uh, benefits there? Absolutely. That, well, firstly, the process of breaking down into activities and then serving the, the a, a bill of material for that activity to support that process. I have seen swings up to 18%, well, <laughs> to, to, to both sides, you know, to, by upping it or downing it, the, the costs that we normally use of just a rent per ton number. So we're becoming much more accurate, firstly, and then also because of the granularity and the specificness, so the specificity is probably the right word, okay. of a variance okay. that tells you time and place and where it happens and so forth, okay. is giving us all that additional control. I see. You've been bold enough to bring up the boardroom here as well. Uh, so yeah. uh, are there any value there? Well, the boardroom is concerned with what shareholder value. I'm delivering to my shareholder, inclusive of governments and all of that, and safety and health, of course. But once I started reporting to the board on a quarterly basis, last quarter, this was our shareholder value. Because the price changed, because this then, and because we had a section 54, and I quantify each of this, it's like a waterfall graph. We are now projecting a new shareholder value, which is why. I see. Explain it from one to the other. In fact, the board is more interested in that than last month's variances on the actual. I because see. last month was just last month. Yes, the yes. board wants to know where are we going to be yes. in five years. Yes. So we start talking their language. I see.
And if you can hook up the voice of the asset being mm. the ore body with the voice of the operation, mm. then uh, then you can do that forecasting. Um, quickly, uh, to close off, um, about financial controls, have you got some numbers to quote? Well, based on this, in, in my experience and what we've done, I would say we have brought a variance of up to up and down, up to as big as 18%, down to 2.5%. Wow. Um, but it takes time. Yeah. Because it is not only the fact that we calculate it in the granularity, but it is also that in time, the adoption through the whole process in the whole of the operation yeah. needs to take place, and that takes some time. Okay, and then lastly, mining, uh, it's never done. It's never right. Never okay? right. Yeah. So you have to do what? A continuous improvement program. Ah, okay. And you have to do projects and, and capital. you need information for that. You need the information for that, and you may, must be able to measure. Before yes. you start yeah. on a project, you must be able to define, if successful, what could it be worth to me? And this tools give it to you. So that you don't spend too much time on something that brings two rand fifty. Go spend even more time on the ten million yeah. rather than the Okay. Program. One sentence. Mm. What's the first step that CFO should take? Let us show you step Good by point. step that this is not a dream. As you know, we ask all the uh, all the visitors what are they reading? What is an ex CFO reading? Do they also read books? <laughs> well, if they've got lots of numbers, like telephone books, for instance. <laughs> now, I am actually, you're going to have me again have to help me with the business engineering people that we use for strategic planning yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, this one, yeah. that's right. I'm, I'm reading their literature. From two, I, I'm really intrigued by the, how they do it. Okay. And secondly, I'm reading it to say, is there any of these things that we can bring in here or are we missing certain things that we don't deal with? I've also started uh, reading uh, uh, Investopedia uh, <laughs> because it takes a lot of all the subjects and a lot of the components of what you do here and they give you, you know, well, pitfalls that they see, problems see. with it. Okay. And that helps us to see how do we overcome okay. that and we don't want it to fall in those traps. Thank you, Johan. Johan, your reading list sounds really boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other, the non-boring, I think, will be for a different podcast. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much uh, to the audience. This is a longer podcast. Um, I hope you enjoy this. Please let us know what you think. Thank you very much. Bye.